Hey, guys and girls, good to see you. Welcome to church. Hello. Really good to be together. Um, God is among us. Just, it's great to... Davy, where's Davy? Davy, chat to Davy. Baptized Davy 10 years ago, was it? Man, mental. Just came up, at the, just came up in the middle there. Just recognize him instantly. Amazing. Good to see you back, man. And uh, welcome to every single one of you. Uh, we're in the presence of God. Um, he's here. And it's awesome when he's here. God wants to take significant grounds in your life and through your life in this city. God has a big agenda, and we get to the privilege of not just spectating and watching what God does, but the privilege of being participants in what God does. Uh, let's pray and ask God just to meet with us as we turn to the Bible and as we, uh, we study and journey together. Father, thank you so much that you know and love everyone in this room. Thank you for the great plans you have. Father, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will reveal yourself today and you will stir in us faith and vision and expand our thinking. And God, I pray from the newest person or uh, to, to the most regular person, I pray that you would engage with us today, God, by your Spirit. I pray for anyone today who doesn't yet know you. I pray today they would meet God and their lives would be changed forever. Help me to speak, God. And I pray, help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Quick recap. We're in a, a five-week mini-series. Uh, we've been working through John's Gospel. We've, taken, we've parked that for five weeks. And in this five weeks, we're just taking time to look again at what our vision is. So these blackboards represent the five weeks. As you can see, there's one more to go after this week. But here's what we've been doing. First of all, we talked about gospel changes lives. And we had three words. What were those three words? You can look at the board, you can cheat, or you can close your eyes and do it from memory. One, two, three, they were pray, care, share. And we talked about how God wants every single one of you to be relevant to people who don't yet know Jesus, and that you get the privilege of praying for them every day, four or five people, uh, caring for them, doing everything you can to demonstrate practically God's love. And then when you have the opportunity in an appropriate moment, you share with them the great news about Jesus. And then on that board, you wrote down initials of people that you're praying for every day. And I encourage you and urge you, I'm doing it as well, pray for people who don't yet know Jesus every day. Then week two was gospel creates family. And we put a verse in the middle, Acts 2.42. And it's, it's, it, that is, Acts 2 is based right at the beginning of the early church, when all of a sudden the church was birthed from, you know, a few dozen people to all of a sudden 3,000 people on day one. And you think, wow, how on earth did a church of 3,000 people stay personal and uh, relation, relational? And, and what we find is they didn't just gather in a big setting like in a temple course, but they also gathered from house to house. And we said, well, what did they do when they gathered? And Acts 2.42 tells us they did four things. What were those four things? They teaching, uh, they gave, come on, help me. Uh, there was number one, Teaching, number two, fellowship, number three, bread, and whatever side you started with, bread, broken bread, and then they prayed. So they gathered for teaching and Bible study, they gathered to fellowship, they gathered to break bread, and they gathered to pray. And I want to encourage us as a church, not just to gather in our three current locations and, but on a Sunday, but also to, through the week, plug into a small group. And we encourage you, plug into a small or start a small group and we'll train you. Either way, we want to be all over the city uh, in small group communities where we're accountable, growing together and 
ultimately following Jesus authentically. Okay, and then last week was gospel multiplication, and we talked about how, okay, how are we going to go from 35 to 53 small groups between now and Easter? And we said, well, we're going to, number one, form groups, and then number two, we're going to mature those groups, and then number three, stage three, is we're going to multiply those groups. And we see Jesus did that. He formed a group. I mean, those groups were nutters, 12 guys, and they were a random choice of blokes, okay? They were a risky bunch. And yet, Jesus chose these 12, and he, he formed a group, and then he matured that group over three years, and then what did he do? He sent them out, and he said, disciples, I want you to now go and make disciples, who in turn will make disciples. And so God wants us to be those disciples who follow Jesus and who replicate ourselves, and we multiply small groups. Give me an amen if you agree. Okay, so this week we're going to be looking at a gospel-powered church. Let me start with a story. When it was built for an international exhibition in 1889, the structure was called monstrous by the citizens of the city, who demanded that it be torn down as soon as the exhibition was over. And yet, from the moment the architect first conceived of it, he took great pride in it, and he loyally defended it, believing that it was going to be something great. Many people wished to destroy it, but he held to it. He knew it was destined for greatness, and today it stands as a primary landmark of Paris even of France, the Eiffel Tower, named after the architect Alexander Gustav Eiffel. He believed in it even when others didn't. He saw its potential even when others wrote it off. And I want to say to you, we're living in a post-Christian culture, and many people have written off the church and says, well, that's irrelevant. That's a thing of a yes to era. That's a, that's, a, that's a day gone by. That's not current. And I have to tell you, that's not God's view. <laughs> God has a design, God has a plan, and he has a great plan, and it's very much on track, and it's a plan to transform planet earth, and it's through Jesus Christ, through his people called the local church. We believe in that as a church. We believe that the church has a destiny. We believe each of you individually within the church have a destiny. God has a great plan. Uh, you know, the, the weird thing is if you, if you went onto Google and put in the word church and, and go to Google Images, Right? All of a sudden, a whole lot of pictures of traditional church buildings with spires on top would appear. Uh, but really, when we're talking about church, and when the Bible talks about church, it doesn't look like that. It's entirely different. You know, remember the little thing we used to do as kids? Here is the church. Help me. Who remembers this? Anyone remember this? Okay. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Look inside, and there are the people. Okay. That's actually heresy, okay? That's not biblical, all right? Biblically, this is the church. And sometimes they have a building, and if you're lucky, it's got a spire. Now, that doesn't rhyme, and it's not quirky, but it's more accurate, okay? So say, this is the church, and if you're lucky, you've got a building. <laughs> okay, that's what we believe. So let's, let's, what I want to do is I want to take us to the first moment in the New Testament where the word church is used. And I want to let Jesus define for us how we should understand church, not Google, but let Jesus define for us, okay, ah, this is what church is. Are we up for that? Are you up for that balcony dwellers? Okay, let's go. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 uh, to 18. 
When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Amazing. He starts the dialogue with the disciples. Let's read it again. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? What about you? It is the most important question. Who do you say that Jesus is? And then just like at that time, in our culture, there's a lot of confusion about that question. You know, some say this, some say that, some think Jesus was a cool you know, a, a, a prophet or a guru or some sort of motivational teacher, uh, something he's in some way divine, but not really God. Okay, but Jesus asks you the question today, who do you say that I am? Peter got the answer right. I want you to get the answer right because actually everything is dependent on your answer to that question. Everything, everything. Eternity is dependent on your answer to that question. Who do you say that Jesus is. Uh, there was a guy called Wakazi no Komi. This is, this is him here. If I did. And Wakazi no Komi was uh, a feudal lord in Japan. And way back in 1854, um, there was a European fleet of ships arrived and, and anchored sh- offshore, off the shore of Japan. And this man, Wakazi, was instructed by the government with his men to guard the shores and keep watch on the foreign fleet. And they were very suspicious. And as he was on the shore watching this foreign fleet, he saw something washed on the shore. And it was actually, it obviously had come from the European ships. It was a waterlogged book. And it was actually a Danish translation of the, of the Bible. And it was waterlogged. And he picked up this book and he didn't obviously understand this. But within him, something, it triggered something, and he just knew, I've got to read this book. So he went out of his way, and he was able to find a Chinese translation of the Bible. And he spent the next 11 years studying that translation of the Bible. One day, out of the blue, he and his 50 men in full regalia turned up at Verbeck's door. He was the first Protestant missionary in Japan. They knocked on his door. He opened the door, and there was this uh, Kasumi standing there with all his 50 men. And they said, we have decided we would like to be baptized. Verbeck was completely taken aback. And, and, and then he, Kasumi explained that he had been reading the Bible for the last 11 years. And this is what he said. He said this, I cannot tell you my feelings when for the first time I read the account of the character and the work of Jesus Christ. I've never seen heard or imagined such a person. I was filled with admiration, overwhelmed with emotion. I was taken captive by the record 
of his nature and life. You see, when you've seen Jesus, everything shifts for you. My life changed when I was 15, five years ago. (laughs) 25 years ago. When I was 15, everything changed because I suddenly understood who Jesus was and my life was never the same again. Maybe you're here today and you haven't yet known Jesus. He's everything. He's not just a thing to bolt onto your life. He's everything. He is the one who actually gave you life and breath. He is the Lord of all. In fact, and the mind-blowing thing about this is that God became a man called Jesus, and he died on a cross, and he said he did it for you. Because we're sinners, we needed someone to die in our place, to take away our sin, make us holy and cleansed. On the third day, he resurrected because death couldn't hold him. He defeated Satan's sin and death in that moment, and he's alive right now. So you, don't need to, you actually don't need to live one more day on earth without knowing complete forgiveness and acceptance. You can live knowing God's for all eternity, and it can start for you today. So who do you say that Jesus is? Cross a line today. Step out. Put your faith in him. I'll give you the opportunity to do that at the end. Big decision. And Simon Peter answered Jesus' question. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Later on, Jesus said, in, almost in response to Simon's answer, he said, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You see, how does Jesus build his church? And the answer is, he builds his church with people who have understood who he is. That's it. He builds his church with people. Now, it's not, he doesn't build his church with perfect people, people who have got it all together. He builds his church with people who have had a revelation. They've understood something about who he is. And and that's great. You see, success isn't based on us. The success of this church across three locations in this city is not based on us. The success of this church is not, I, I do not have great assurance and confidence that we're going to significantly grow and take major ground in the days ahead because of me. I don't, I don't have that expectation. I certainly don't have the expectation because of Sammy. <laughs> Any of us, to be honest. I don't know even why I singled Sammy out there. But we don't, our expectation for growth is Jesus Christ. And I, we, we've understood who he is, and we just know, wow, he's got an agenda. He's going to do something great among us. You know, we, we talk about believing in God, but has it ever occurred to you that God believes in you? I mean, he, he, he's a big, it's a big risk, risky strategy. God's saying, I'm going to take this bunch of people just like he did then. I'm going to take this Peter, who's just understood something about me, and these disciples who have understood something about me, and I'm going to build my church. And he takes people like us, imperfect people, and he says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to do great things. And you know, the amazing thing is, listen, Peter went on to blow it. You know, I mean, he got it, he got it right on this occasion, but he got it wrong on so many other occasions. If you read the Gospels, you see that. He just blew it time after time after time. And yet, this is the amazing thing. You see, a person's acceptance of you is based on how you behave, right? You know, you've behaved okay, so I accept you. But you know that if you 
cross a line, there's going to come a point where they'll hold you at a distance. And you cross another line again, then that might even just sever the relationship. That's how it is with people. But did you know that when God accepts you, he accepts you not just despite your past, he accepts you with the full knowledge of exactly what you're going to go on to do in your future, including the stuff you will regret. Isn't that amazing? So in other words, relationships with people is like they write your name in sands. And as soon as a wave comes, you make a mistake, it, it lightens the, the word. And then another wave comes and pretty much you can't see it anymore and the relationship's gone. But relationship with God is when God accepts you, he gets his finger and he writes your name in concrete. And no matter how many waves hit that, and he knows it's all going to happen. He knows you're going to make mistakes. He knows you're going to deny him when you should have stood up for him. He knows you're going to do stuff. And yet, he accepts you based on him, not based on you. Based on his love and his faithfulness, not based on your faithfulness and your ability to stand. This is the salvation of God's brought to you at his expense. That's great news. And he still builds his church with imperfect people, like Sammy. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and he says, in response to Peter, he says, this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, Peter understood that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, not based on, I figured this out, Jesus. He just knew it in his knower. It had been revealed to him, and he knew it. I mean, he was so clear on it. You could have held a gun at his head and said, deny it. And he said, I can't. I know it. It's true. And that's what happened. And here's the good news. The Father is still revealing to people today. Did you know that? All over the city, people are awakening to a reality about God. That Not because they figured God out, but they're awakening to a reality about God. And many of you have those stories. I mean, you have incredible stories of, you know what? I can only put it down to God. God did that in my life. How many people have got stories like that, right? It was God. It was God's work. And guess what? God is still at work. God is still at work. God is moving in our city. God is moving in the streets. You just wait and see what he's going to do. I don't even know what it's going to look like. All I know is I feel it in my heart. What's coming is even greater than what we've ever dreamt or seen before. It is an awesome future because God is revealing himself to people in this city, in your family, the people you're praying for, the people you're caring for, the people you're sharing with, the people your heart breaks for, people in this city, in, in, in your communities, in your family. God is going to reveal himself in remarkable ways to them. And, they're going to, and that's how he builds his church. He builds his church by revealing himself to people. And then he goes on and says, and I will build my church... And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. First time church is ever mentioned in the New Testament. It's an interesting word. Uh, the word church in the, in the Greek language, the word that Jesus used was the Greek words ecclesia. It's ecclesia. We get the word ecclesiastical from that. And the Greek word ecclesia comes out of two words, which is ek and kaleo, I think. I think that's how you say it. Ek means out or from, and kalo, kaleo, means to call forth. So it literally, literally the word church, ecclesia, translates an assembly of people that he has called out for himself. That's what it means. It's like God has been calling out this people and assembling them 
and they, they gather in different places, and there's lots of great churches around this city, and, and they're called out ones. They felt that draw. God brought them to himself. He assembled them together. They're, they're brothers and sisters, and they're in local congregations. We're one of them, and they're called out people. That's what God is doing, and he's still doing it today. In effect, what he's saying when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he's basically saying, I'm calling out people from all over this world and I'm assembling them in different places with key leaders in their midst and they're going to have a vision, they're going to make impact in communities and I'm going to call them out of the clutches of Satan, sin and death. I'm going to get his nasty claws off them and the gates of hell will not prevail. I will succeed in this. I will have a people for my own uh, called out of darkness into his glorious light. That's what God is doing. That's what he's building. That's what he's doing. And, you know, why are we launching new locations as a church? Why didn't we just, okay, we started in my living room, went to a primary school, bought this church building in 2003. Why didn't we just stay here? Well, we filled it. Then we filled it again. And then we had three services on a Sunday to fit everyone in. So we bought another building crossing town, across town. But instead of closing this one, we kept this going and we started one church, two locations. Then we filled this again. Here we are. And we filled across town. Then we went to four services. So then we started north last September. And they got their own building a couple of weeks ago. And, and this morning, gathering in three locations with three pretty packed auditoriums, are people worshiping God. Why didn't we just stop at one? Why, and why are we starting a new location in the south of Edinburgh in February? Why are we doing all this? Because I think God's still building his church. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Listen to what God said to the Apostle Paul as he was on one of his missionary journeys. I love this. Listen to this. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 to 10. Paul in Corinth, this is God spoke to him, and it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid, keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. No one is going to attack you and harm you, because I have many people in the city. I have many people in the city. Now, this is not like Christian Europe and Asia. No, no. This was like Jesus had died and rose again not that long ago. The church was just birthing. Corinth, there was nothing. There was no church in there. There was nothing there. And yet when Paul arrives at the very beginning of his missionary journey, when all this opposition started coming his way, Jesus speaks to him and tells him, I have many people in the city. Wow. Now, how would Jesus say that? Well, the reason Jesus can say that is because he's not restricted with time. He's outside of time. He's the one who is and who was currently and who will be currently. He, just, he is living eternally. He's the one outside of time. He just always is. He's already been at the beginning and the end and a bit in the middle, and we're in this thing called time. But here's Jesus speaking to Paul, knowing full well, just wait and see. I know who they all are. You don't know them yet, but there's going to be an awesome church here in Corinth. And so with that in mind, Jesus was able to say to Paul, I know you're stuck in time. I know you haven't seen it all yet, but I know what's coming. I, I can't, wait till you meet them. There's, there's John over there, and there's this dude over here, and there's this guy over here, and you're going to meet them, and they're all going to be part of this community, this thing, this called out people, this assembly, this thing called the church. So keep speaking. Trust me, honestly, Paul, it's going to be amazing. You're going to face opposition. I get it, but no one's going to harm you. Keep speaking, because I have many people in this city. And you know what I feel in my soul? I feel in my soul, he says exactly the same to us. 
I know 3% of Edinburgh officially is evangelical. I know that, according to the Barna research carried out a year ago. I know that. But I know in my heart there is multiple more percentages than that of people who will be saved and we will stand with them in eternity and they're currently calling themselves atheists or they're currently calling themselves backslidden believers or they're currently disinterested completely in the local church. They just don't see any relevance to it at all. But God will draw him, them to himself. He's always been doing it and he will do it again in our generation. Hence, we launch locations. We have got to create space. We can't just contain ourselves to the four walls of buildings. We've got to create space because Jesus is still building his church. Give me an amen if you agree. Uh, Jordan, who's going to be the location pastor of the new location. Um, I, I love this. That I, myself, Sammy, and the other senior team, we were all praying. We were really feeling we had to launch in the south. And we were praying, God, who's the person to lead it? And, and it, just, it just dawned on me, Jordan's the right guy. Jordan became a Christian uh, in one of our services about four years ago. And uh, he's, he went on to be a worship leader. And just a great guy in the church, him and Jody, brilliant couple. And we, I just really felt, this is the guy. And the team agreed. We thought, well, this is the guy. So I had lunch with them. And I sat, sat them down and said, we've been really praying. And we've, you know we're looking at launching a new location. And here's what we feel. Number one, we feel to launch in the south of Edinburgh. And number two, we feel that you're meant to be the pastor. Would you think of that? And he was like, wow, he was blown away. He was blown away. And yet he was excited. And he and Jody, they said, okay, listen, that's, that's a big thought. Uh, we're excited about it. We're up for it, but we, we're not totally sure. So I said, listen, what you need is this. You've got to have more than excitement because when the rubber hits the road and you face challenges, because the devil doesn't like giving up territory, when you do face challenges, you need to have a word from God so that if, if you face those challenges, you've got something to stand on, not just a, oh, it felt like a good idea at the time, right? Okay, that emotion will go. You've got to have a word from God, something you can say, God, you said this, and that will keep me standing when the rubber hits the road. And so I, sent, I said to them, listen, you need to go home and ask God to confirm it. So they went away from that meeting praying, God, would you please confirm, is this your will? They walked in the door of their house and the phone rang. And it was Jordan's grandpa. His grandma had just died a few weeks before, and it was his grandpa phoning. And he said, Jordan, I knew I should phone you today. You see, Jordan, 62 years ago, in the little church that me and your grandma used to attend, someone came up to us, and they gave us a prophecy. Now, this was in a church that didn't really do that kind of stuff. Right? A little church in the Scottish borders. He said, and they gave us a prophecy, and they, and they told us that someone's going to come into your family who will do the work of God. And Jordan, this morning, I just suddenly realized that that was you, and I needed to phone you today and tell you that. <laughs> As he walked in the door from the meeting with me where I asked him to become a location pastor. Whoa! Woo! Do-do-do-do. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? Seriously? Whoa, so 62 years ago, God knew that we were going to be launching South Edinburgh in February. So I've gone from being a little bit optimistic to being pretty certain. I figure he wouldn't do that, you know, for any other reason other than he knew thousands of people are going to come to know Jesus in South Edinburgh. I mean, why else would he do that? 62 years ago. And at the time, 62 years ago, I mean, the vast majority of the population of the UK went to church 62 years ago. 
And yet here we are, tiny percentage going to church. God knew. God knew exactly what it was going to be like. God knew there was going to be a, a dude called Jordan who would speak like a borders guy and hardly anyone could understand him, but God was still going to use him. God was still going to use him. And, and they would launch this team. And you know what? There's 150 folks from this church and 50 kids, 100 adults currently coming from uh, that part of town, Pennycook, Dalkeith, Bonnie Rig, Straighton. Woo-hoo. Here we are. Who's there? Uh, and, you know, and we're going to be launching out near Ikea. Amazing. It's, God is going to do that. And God has prepared the way God knew years, years ago. You have any idea how special? You have any idea how important you are? Individually, yeah, but I mean, collectively, you, the people of God, any idea? Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read it from the message translation. I, I, I don't usually like the message translation. But on this occasion, I like it. So let's read it. It says, God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just from the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. He has the final words on everything. You, Clinton and Donald Trump, they're competing with each other and they think it's for the most important person on earth role. No, no. Jesus is the most important person on earth and in heaven for all time, overseeing galaxies and human beings and governments. It's him. He's running the universe. And then there's the question. Wow, if he's running the universe, what is the very center of his global purpose? At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and which he fills, and by which he fills everything with his presence. How's Edinburgh going to be filled with his presence? Through the church. Not just our church, but the awesome churches in the city, including us. How's, how's the world going to be impacted for the glory of God? Through the church. That's how special you are. You are not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. This is the apple of God's eye. This is the heartbeat of God. This is his very body. He takes you so personally. John Piper said this about the church, and I think this is awesome. He says, the church of Jesus Christ is the most important institution in the world. The assembly of the redeemed, the body of Christ, is more significant in world history than any other group or organization or nation. The United States of America compares to the church of Jesus Christ like a speck of dust compares to the sun. The drama of international relations compares to the mission of the church like a kindergarten ride compares to Hamlet. All the pomp of May Day in Red Square and the grandeur of New Year's celebrations fade into a formless gray in comparison to the splendor of the Bride of Christ. So church, you've got to have the right self-image If you were going to be the hope of the world, 
If we're going to be the, the means by which God transformed the world, you've got to know that you are. You've got to have a good self-image. You've got to know who you are before God. There was a story of a, a, a naturalist who was walking through um, a forest area one day, and he came across a little farm And there in the farm, in the front yard of the farm, there were some chickens pecking away at seeds, as you'd expect. But there among the chickens was an eagle pecking away at seeds in this farm. And the naturalist got into conversation with the the, the owner of the the lands, the the tenant. And and he said, this this golden eagle, this is wrong that the golden eagle is restricted. And he said, well, it could fly away if it wants. It just doesn't want to. He said, I rescued this eagle when it was a chick. And I've just, to be honest, I've just provided it with food just like we would with the chickens. And, and it's, it's adapted, and it's now quite happy to be among the chickens. And the naturalist said, no, this is wrong. This, this, is, the, this is the king of the birds. It should fly. It should soar. And so it, he said, do you have my permission to, can I have your permission to try and help it to find its identity? And he said, yeah, of course you can. So the naturalist held up to the sky and says, come on, this is, this is your sky. You fly in the sky. And it never did. It, it just fluttered around down where the, uh, the chickens were. But this time he held up and said, look, this, this is your domain. Fly, you're the king of the birds. Uh, and it, it kind of looked up to the sky. Then it looked down and saw its chickens, friends, eating their little bits of things that the chickens eat. And, and it just said, and it, it jumped down and just flitted around the chickens again. So the naturalist this time took the, the eagle and carried it to the roof of the, the building, the, the farm building. And he opened the window and he held it up to the sky and it, and it encouraged it. Now, come on, you're the king of the birds. This sky is your domain. Fly. And the eagle looked up but then looked down and saw the yard where the chickens were and it just, it just glided down and it just started walking around the chickens again. Eventually, the, the naturalist took the eagle up to a high mountain and held the eagle up way far away from the farmstead and said, listen, you're the king of the birds. This is your domain. Now go fly. And as the sun caught its eyelids, it suddenly realized within itself who it was and the depth of its being it knew it was born to fly and it spread out its wings and flew off. And it never looked back, never returned to pecking seeds with the, with the little chickens, but flew as it was designed to do by God. And you know, so often the church has been told it's naff. It's, we've, we've been given examples of church where it, they've just contained themselves within the four walls of buildings. And, and you know, and the church really hasn't understood God's great destiny for it. But the Bible is so clear that this awesome thing called the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, is his redeemed community through which he's going to redeem the world's. It says plan A for planet Earth. In fact, the word ecclesia, we just translated it earlier, the called out ones, the assembly of called out ones. It was originally, that, use, that word was actually used originally never in any religious context. It was used originally to describe a group of significant citizens in Athens, in ancient Athens, in ancient Greece. And these citizens had the rights of citizenship and they were the ones who were able to literally decide what happened in the city. They were able to decide wars, make peace treaties, agree on trade, embar- trade deals. And they would literally, what they said when in the city of Athens. And this was the word, that was the word used to describe them, the ecclesia. Isn't that interesting? The same word used to describe us, 
We get to decide what happens in our city. We say what comes and goes. I have to tell you the most significant thing in Scotland is not the Scottish Parliament, is not the financial institutions, is not the academic institutions. The most significant thing in Scotland is the Church of Jesus Christ. The thing that will transform Scotland more than anything else is not a change in politics or improvement in the economy. It is alive churches being the identity that God is destined them to be, flowing in that calling, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them, bringing the message of God's life and Jesus, building his church through regular, ordinary folks like ourselves. Give me an amen. Amen. How does God speak to the word? world, he speaks through us. How does God act in the world? He acts through us. How does God bring change in the world? He brings change through us. Jesus said, I will build my church. He declared it. I will build. The great I am has spoken. It will happen. It couldn't not. God doesn't lie. He said, I will build. He will build. And this destiny is rich. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, he prophesied seeing the future of the church. And he said this, it, talking about the house of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I understand in the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, God has a people for his temple. God dwells among us. So when you see temple of the Lord referred to in the Old Testament prophetically, it can be directly transferred to us as the people of God, the household of God, where God dwells by his spirit today. It says in Isaiah 2 verse 2, in the last days, that's the era in which we live, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. That means it's going to be the most influential thing on earth. And the nations will stream to it. That's the destiny of the church. That looks awesome. Isaiah saw it. He saw, man, I'm seeing God's people, the house of God, the, the, the church, emerging to be this thing that's the most influential thing on in planet Earth, and the nations will stream to it. I don't believe everyone will be saved, but I believe many more than who are will be. I believe the nations will stream to it more than we've ever seen before. I believe that's what God's going to do. And he's actively involved in building it. When he said, I will build, it's just, it wasn't just a declaration 2,000 years ago, and he's kind of on yourself Oh, he said, I will build. He's he's currently got his sleeves rolled up. He's involved with building the church. I have to tell you, our testimony has been every step we have taken in this 18-year journey as a church, every step has been inspired directly by him. Every step that we've made, okay, move to that location, by that building. Every step we've taken, I cannot attribute to good ideas we've had. Every step we've taken came because, like Sammy was saying, we're going to pray and fast in the next couple of weeks. These, these moments are the most important moments in our church's history. Because as we've sought God, God has spoken, we've obeyed, God did something great. That's the journey we're on. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who's building the church. We just get to follow. And it says, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It didn't say it will not overcome you. It says it will not overcome it. But if you are in it, then it will not overcome you. The safest place to be on planet Earth is being part of a local church. God doesn't want Christians who are just believing in God and kind of disconnected from church. God wants his people connected with church, even though church is sometimes rough at the edges, even though sometimes people wind you up the wrong ways, even though there's plenty of opportunities to take offense and leave a church and stuff the church that's full of hypocrites. I know it's full of hypocrites. 
Look at Sammy. Seriously. I'm telling you. God knows. And me. Look at me as well. So the church is full of hypocrites. and, And yet, God calls us to just love this church. In fact, he calls it his bride. Don't quit on what he won't quit on. He's not going to quit on his bride. Don't you quit on his bride. You are the church. Be the church. Don't think, oh, these people, are, this, this church should be friendly. This church isn't welcoming. Wait a minute. You're the church. Are you welcoming? You know what I'm saying? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Be in it. And you know, when we started the church, I remember the disproportionate amount of, to be honest, spiritual attack we faced. Threats. Aggression, physical aggression, threats, and weird stuff. I'm telling you, I, I don't have time to go into all the stories of things that happened around the time when we started the church, or around the time when we took ground in Leith, or around the time when we took ground in Gory. Every single time we faced opposition, and the reason is, you have to understand that Satan, there's nothing, no greater threat to Satan's dominion than the advancing church. Nothing. Because the advancing church is the only thing that can push back the gates of hell. It's the only thing. No well-meaning organization can do that. Only the church of Jesus Christ, the spiritual entity, can take grounds from spiritual darkness. The gates of hell, by the way, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. It's not a defensive statement. It's an offensive statement. I grew up in Glasgow, and I can't remember people grabbing gates to attack you. I remember them grabbing lots of things to attack you, but I never saw anyone finding, I'm going to use this gate here, and I'm going to attack you with this gate. That wasn't a commonly used chip. What, you know, so it was, it's not like, oh no, the gates of hell will not prevail against us, like a defensive statement. No, it's an offensive statement. It's talking about the church is taking grounds, and there are territories which will say, you can't get in here. I mean, and the gates are just going to be knocked down. Because the ground will be taken in places where ground hadn't previously t- been taken. That's what Jesus is doing. <sighs> Amen. So, how can we respond? Because we believe that the church is a destiny. Because we believe that God is a destiny for this city. Because we believe in the success of this church. And the success of the church. And because we believe that actually the success of the church is the success of the city. Goes well with the righteous, it says in Proverbs, the city rejoices. Because we believe these things, we've got vision. I'm going to show a quick film clip with an update on what we call 2020 vision. So cue the clip, and this is a reminder for, for many of us, and for the first time, maybe this is for some of you as well. I remember back in 2015, we introduced you to the vision that we've got for the next few years. We've called it 2020 Vision. And 2020 Vision was four, two, one. It's launching four new church locations in Edinburgh and the region. Two, well, that means refurbishing our two existing buildings in Gorgian and Leith. And one was the completion of our orphanage in India. And what happened in response to that way back in 2015, uh, you folks gave generously. We gave, and we raised just over £700,000 of the £1 million total. That means it underwrites the launch of the four locations. It also enables us to do, go some way in our refurbishment, and it also means we're able to give 70000 of that to the Indian Orphanage Project. It's very exciting. So what's happened since then? Well, since then, you've 
many of you have stepped up to serve and you're covering bases behind the scenes many of you are serving or in leadership roles and we so appreciate your commitment to serve in God's house but we also we've launched our first of the four locations the first location has launched in North Edinburgh so here we are in North. We kicked off about a year ago here, and it's been amazing to see all that the Lord has done. We started with a team of about 60 people, and it's grown to a consistent 80 people. And on several occasions, we've crossed through the 100 mark. But it's not just the Sunday gatherings. Also through the week, we had kids' clubs through the summer that really impacted families locally. And we're looking forward to starting youth and also coffee stop and mother and toddler groups and you know what's really exciting is we we also got this building we started in a rented facility and now we've got a 10-year lease on our own building right here in north it's so exciting but beyond the headlines what's actually been happening in the lives of precious people who are part of this location let's hear being part of the team that launched the north location has been an amazing experience for my wife and i being able to serve on several teams we are meeting new people making new friends all the time and we feel part of the Destiny family. Our faith is just rocketed. Hi, my name is David. I'm one of the members part of the North Campus. Um, what has it meant to me being part of the North Campus? Um, it's been an impact on my life and that's um, really felt part of a family year. Uh, my wife has been serving in the kids church and I've been part of the welcome team. Uh, I mean, earlier in the year we had been going through some difficult times and the support of the church and the members have been, have been fantastic and still been fantastic. Um, and that's what church is all about. Isn't it cool to hear what God is doing in the lives of individual people? So this is North, we've kicked off here. This is the first of the four locations. But what is next? Well, in February, we launch in South. So I'm here with uh, Jordan in South Edinburgh. Jordan, tell us about how you came to the church and how you came to faith. Yeah, so I wasn't born in Christian home. I moved to Edinburgh several years ago and I met Jodie, my wife, who was born in a Christian home. But when I met her, she'd fallen away from her faith. To cut a very long story short, Jodie came back to faith and after a lot of kicking and screaming, she dragged me along to church one day. And after two weeks of attending Destiny, I could not deny the call of God in my heart anymore. You know, I couldn't deny the tears flowing down my face during the worship. I couldn't deny the word being spoken directly to, my, to me from the stage. And after one service, I spoke to you and you prayed for me. And in that moment, I felt the presence of God. And since then, my life has not been the same. That's why we're here. And John, why are we looking at launching in South Edinburgh? Well, for a start, there are currently 150 people from our church living in the south of Edinburgh. Straight away, that is a good starting point. But most importantly, we feel called by God to come to this part of Edinburgh. We've had several words from within the church and from the wider Destiny Network that have pointed us towards south, that have pointed us towards Midlothian. That's why we're doing it. Well, you met us one day and you asked us, would you consider planting south? So we went home, thought about it, we prayed, God, if this is your will, we need confirmation. Within hours of that prayer, I got a phone call from my grandfather who said to me, Jordan, 62 years ago, someone gave me a word that someone would come into my family and do the will of God. I realized today, Jordan, that person is you. He completely forgot about that word for 62 years until that very day. I put the phone down and I said to Jody, if that's not confirmation, I don't know what is. So why are you planting South Edinburgh? We feel God's called the church in South Edinburgh. And we feel God's called us to South Edinburgh. So we're going to South Edinburgh. So South Edinburgh launches this February. And you folks who live in the South of Edinburgh, get involved with it. This is your opportunity to really make a difference in this part of town. 
but also for the rest of us at Destiny Church Edinburgh, no matter what location we're from, this is our opportunity to really make a difference with our lives. Very simply, I'm asking all of us to give, and I'm asking all of us to serve. We've raised 700 of the £1 million total, but we're needing the extra 300,000 to do the four to one. How about considering giving a monthly amount? If you're already giving, thank you. Prayerfully consider what you're giving. But if you're not giving yet, why not consider contributing in a monthly amount? Also, we're asking all of us to be involved in serving. If you're not involved in some aspect of serving, practically or spiritually, why not consider signing up to serve? It doesn't matter how you serve. Let's all play our part. And I really believe that God has called us, just as he did the disciples 2,000 years ago, he's calling us to make disciples. This is our opportunity to make a difference in our generation. Let's go for a destiny, Edinburgh. So, 2020 vision. Someone else is preaching right there. 2020 vision is, help me, four, say it again, four, four new locations, two, say it again, Leslie, furbished buildings, and one, orphanage in India. That's our 2020 vision, to launch four new locations, to see our two existing buildings, Gorg and Leith, we've now got three, but we'll forget about that, two existing buildings refurbished, and uh, our orphanage in India completed. And it's a big step. North launched one year ago, and it was such an exciting moment. And do you know what? Since launching North, we've actually grown by a location. So what you see here in Leith is, where it, we had all these spare seats after we launched North, and we don't have spare seats now. And guess what's happening in Gorgie? The same is happening over there. So all of a sudden, we've launched out people, and the group has grown in South, sorry, in North, and yet the gaps that were created in Gorgie and Leith are now getting filled up again. How does that work? Well, Jesus said he'd build his church. We've just created, we just believed him, and we've created space. And he's just done it. Oh, he's awesome, eh? The way he does that. So we, we launched this new location. And we've grown by, literally grown by a location in terms of numbers. So why these particular locations? Because we, we feel to launch next south. And then we feel to launch, uh, don't know what order it's going to be, but West Lothian. Uh, and is that right? West Lothian? Yeah, West Lothian. And then also city. City centre. And that's what we're feeling and we don't know the exact timings and exact locations, but that's what we're feeling. And I think God might do even more than we anticipate. But the reason we're launching in these locations is, number one, we've already got people coming from these places. So we're not starting a church location or an area where we don't already have people. As, as Jordan mentioned, and it's, it's on our database, we already have 150 people, including 50 kids, coming from the south of Edinburgh. So we're launching where our people are already. But what we've found is this. Church, Christians are willing to travel, but the non-Christian mates aren't. So by launching a location where they live, it makes the, the believers there able to really engage in a much more meaningful way with their non-Christian friends and family and people in that community. Second reason we, we choose the locations we're launching in is there are eight, 840,000 people living in Edinburgh and the Lothians. About an estimated 40,000 of them are connecting with church in some way. That would include nominal believers who you know, are kind of traditional 
rather than necessarily really strong Christians. But that means there's 800,000 people not connecting with church. So why are we launching in new locations? We're choosing areas where there are not many active churches already, and we feel God's calling us to launch there. And then thirdly, and ultimately, it's just we feel God leading us to specific locations. It's we're going to go not just where our people are, not just where the need is, but where we feel God is saying to go. Just a quick story, just for a moment here. We launched in South. One of the confirmations we got prophetically, it was amazing. I took a day to pray and seek God and walk around the South of Edinburgh. And I phoned my friend Gordon, who lives up in the Highlands. Gordon's, I would say he's a prophet. I said, Gordon, I'm taking the day to pray and seek God for his direction to know what's the next place to launch in Edinburgh. Because he knew we were doing this 421 thing. And I said, could you pray for us? And he said, I will, Peter, but just, I've already got something for you. Because as I've been praying for you guys, a word has been in my head. And I said, I haven't brought it to you because it didn't really mean anything to me. So I was asking the Lord, could you give me a bit more? But he didn't. So let me just give you what I've got. And now he didn't know we were even looking at South Edinburgh. He just knew we were looking at launching. And he said, the word I've got is Mayflower. (laughs) And that didn't mean anything to me. So I went to the source of all knowledge, Google. And I, and I typed in Mayflower, and up pops on Google three Mayflowers in Edinburgh. Okay, two of them were in the south of Edinburgh. Woo! Okay, there's a pub and a Chinese takeaway. <laughs> and then there was also one in Wrestlerig. And I thought, okay, that didn't mean anything. So kind of two out of three say south. I thought, okay. So anyway, that was that. Anyway, a few weeks ago, we had our first build-up. We, we really felt South was right, so we launched in South. We started our, we're having once a month build-up to launch meetings ahead of February's weekly service starting. And at the first one, once a month event, one of our church members came up to me and said, Peter, I know that you said that thing about Mayflower. By the way, I I've been meaning to tell you. Did you know that all the villages and towns in the area, uh, in these areas are named after flowers? I said, no, I didn't know that. And he said, and often the flower is the name of the football team as well. So, for example, Dalkeith is the thistle, and Dalkeith Thistle is the football team. And then Bonnie Rig is the rose, and Bonnie Rig Rose is the football team. And he says, guess what Lonehead Straighten is? And he said, it's the Mayflower. Uh. Now, that's a lot cooler than two out of three on Google, right? Wow, a guy in the Highlands, God gave him a random words that wasn't just vaguely, but specifically about the area we knew we were meant to plan. That's awesome. So four, two, two refurbished buildings. And the reason we need to refurbish this building and the reason we need to refurbish our Gorgie building is actually, it's the kids and youth spaces primarily. We've got so many kids and youth, they're rammed in up there. They're all like this, learning about Jesus, suffocating. Okay, that, that is what's going on the floor above us just now. It's tiny, like I've got a flat up there and it's rammed with kids. And that's an awesome problem to have, you know? And it's awesome because we get a bit more space down here. That's cool. And we don't have to be up there. That's awesome, <laughs> okay? In Gorgie, similar problem. I mean, you know, there's 287 kids across all our locations connecting. That's, that's, that's on our database. That's not every week. That's actively connected in the church across our three locations. So maybe 60% of them will be there on any given Sunday. That's amazing. And what's also awesome is not just the kids' ministry, but youth ministry. Mark Johnson's come on full-time staff overseeing youth ministry. 
He's based in Gorgie, and he runs the youth there, but his remit is not just to run the youth in Gorgie. His remit is to pioneer youth ministry across all of our locations. So he's working very closely with Danny and Megan and the guys here in Leith, and it's awesome to see the Leith youth ministry get off the ground, and that will rock it. It will grow soon. Soon the, the top floor alone will not be big enough just for the youth alone. It's, 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 it's going to be exciting, and we're going to pioneer youth in north and then in south and in every location we launch, and that's what Mark's remit is. Very exciting, but we need more space for kids and youth. Now, we've looked into different architectural solutions. The architects and the quantity surveyors and engineers have done investigative work. We spent money getting into drawings and plans and give us advice. And on the back of that, we're not sure that knocking down the walls upstairs and creating that space is the right way to go. And we're also not sure of the solution architecturally that we're looking at in Gorgie. However, we are sure of the needs. So we're still on track for the need, and we still need to see the income come in so that we can do something architecturally. So in, in Leith, just so you know, we're actually looking at premises quite close to this building that we could buy in addition to this building so that, for the kids and the youth. That's what we're looking at. So could you pray with us about that? But we're going to need some money for that. So could you also give something as well? Amen. Okay. So that's what we're doing architecturally, two refurbished buildings. And uh, as well as that, we're going to do up the cafe, we want to do up the, renovate the space. Across in Gorgie, we need to do the toilets there. Uh, your, guy, your, your toilets are like the Hilton compared to Gorgie's toilets. They're really naff. Um, and then one, orphanage. Now, we kind of put that last, but maybe that's the most important thing to God. And if we, how does the orphanage fit into it? Okay, well, here, first of all, this is, this is the orphanage. Here's, that's some of the kids already in our orphanage. Uh, Solomon looks after them uh, with his wife, Sveta. Uh, they're awesome. And then this here is, we started an orphanage, which then started a church, which then birthed churches. This is our pastor's conference in India. Pastors. So we have over a thousand churches now in India. Over a thousand. That's one of two pastor's conferences we run every year in India. This is the new perimeter wall going up around the new orphanage building. By the way, that perimeter wall was paid for entirely by Destiny Church Edinburgh's giving. So that's cool, isn't it? And, that's... and the, 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 there's, the, there's the first floor. It'll be a three-story building. That's the first floor of the Indian orphanage that's going up. That will be a place for orphans. It'll accommodate 100 orphans. But it will also be a training base for new pastors and leaders in that fast-emerging church network that's been planted there. It is mental how fast the churches are growing and how quickly they're multiplying. I, had a, I was in WhatsApp contact this morning with Solomon. He, was, he, was, he sent me images this morning of people he would baptize this morning in his morning service across in India, uh, just, just along the road from that orphanage there. And also he's saying that next week we're planning a, an outreach in a new village to start breaking open ground there. And he says, please pray for us because the, many of the militant Hindus are threatening in us as they know we're going to be doing this outreach. But we're still going to go because we know God's called us pray. Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The one million pound total, we're going to tithe it. The 10% of the million pounds, we're going to give in its entirety, that's 100,000 pounds to this orphanage project. Currently, we've raised 700,000 of the million in pledges and in monthly giving. That means 70,000 that comes in over the next five years will go to India, 10% of the currently raised. I'd like to see that become 100,000 of a million. God can do it. God with us can do it. So how can you respond? First of all, pray. Say pray. We've got a week of prayer and fasting. I encourage you all to participate. It starts 10th of October. All participate. Call on God. 
come to the prayer gathering that will be in the location and also go to your small group time because in small groups that week, it's all about prayer. Let's call on God and create space in your life that week to call on God because we do not presume for one minute that everything will just fall into place for South. We trust God for every step. We trust God for every life. Call on God with me that week. Pray. Secondly, serve. Say serve. We need it all on board. It says in Ephesians 4, he makes the whole body fit perfectly together as each one does its own special work. Everyone does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. You see, the church grows at the rate of its involvement. This is not, uh, this is not a, a few people doing all this. Folks, this is an army. Guess what happens? Incidentally, how many of you are going to be part of the South launch? Hands up. Okay, hands up. The balcony all around here. Okay, you folks. So guess what? They're not going to be here. Say, praise the Lord. <laughs> no, I just get, you can say, praise the Lord if you want. Nothing to do with that. They're not going to be here. They're going to be over there in the South. Guess what that's going to do? It's going to create gaps because these folks carry responsibilities in our existing. Some of them are stewards. Some of them help in the welcome team. Some of them help with catering. Some of them help with kids' ministry. They're going to create gaps. So even if you're not going to be part of the South launch, we're all launching. This is one church in four locations. We need all of you to serve in some way. Prayerfully consider how could you be involved, even if it's just being on a rota to set out chairs or helping with serving teas and coffees once a month or going to help with the kids once every three weeks or I want to get involved in the youth ministry. doesn't matter, wherever it is. Or maybe you're not sure where you want to get involved. Put your name down and we'll help you find something that works for you. But we do need all hands on deck. Not just those who are pioneering will be involved. You folks are going to be pioneering afresh right here on the ground in this location. On your seats, put, on your seats, have you got those response forms on your seats? Everyone hold up the response forms. Wave them in the air. Can you pass me one, Sammy? Is it okay? Um, the response form has two parts to it. My response, and it's got two parts. First of all, it's how I plan to serve. And then secondly, how I plan to give. I'm asking all of you, all of you, to prayerfully consider how you plan to serve. Maybe you're already serving. You don't need to fill it in. Thank you so much for already serving. Serve. And then give. Say give. We've raised 700,000 in pledges. And in monthly giving, it's coming in. That is amazing. Let me, before I talk about anything that we still need, let me say thank you for you folks who are week in, week out, on a regular basis contributing to 2020 Vision. It would not be possible, even what we've already done would not be possible were it not for your faithful investment and believing God and serving God in this way. Thank you so much. Um, you know, we've so far, just so you know, we're pretty much on budget, but we have overspent by 26,000. <laughs> okay. And that's to do with the North Building. The North Building has, we didn't anticipate getting a building and the renovation of that building. We're not worried about that. We're, we're actually quite thrilled about that. We're thinking, well, that's great. We didn't see that coming, but praise the Lord. But it has meant we've spent more to date at this stage. Don't worry about it. I just want you to know that. And you can have that in mind when you're giving and praying. 
If you want to know any details about 2020 budget or how the money's been used in detail, or you've got any questions about the finances, um, please email Andrew McGreen. It's Andrew McGreen at destinyedinburgh.com. He is our finance guy. He'll happily answer any questions you may have. We've also got 2020 booklets. Are they around somewhere? The stewards will have them available for you in a minute. And if you have not seen one of these 2020 booklets, if you got one last year, we've got limited numbers, so uh, we can't give out to everyone again. But if you want a 2020 booklet, the stewards will make them available. And it breaks down how we're spending that money and how each location costs and all the different things we're doing. The truth is this. If you're new to Destiny Church Edinburgh, people paid a price back then to help provide what you're currently experiencing in church. Way back 2003, 50 of us, Jane was there, I remember Jane, a few of you were here, Ed, Ed looks slightly different hairstyle then, but apart from that, he's pretty much the same guy, um, he was slightly taller then as well, he's just got a little shorter, <laughs> um, way back then, we gave, right, we gave, and this building was because 50 people back then in the church gave. In 2007, if you want a 2020 booklet, put your hand up. But there, guys, these are available. 2007, we took another step where we outgrew this building and people gave again and we bought our Gorgie building. And today, we're existing in a one church and two location building because this is what people gave to. And many of you are part of that. And then last year, the 2020 vision, if, with, if we hadn't all stepped up and done this, and the dozens and dozens of people who stepped up to serve for the first time, and people who decided to give, we wouldn't have been able to already take ground in North. We wouldn't have grown by our location, and we wouldn't now be in the position where we're looking at now, by God's grace, launching in South. And here's the thing. We can say thank you, God, for everyone who's given over the years. And I do say thank you, God, for that. And I say thank you, you, as well. But here's what I think is going to happen, is I think 10 years from now, People will be thanking God, and you haven't met them yet, but the part of the many people in this city that God knows about, they're going to be thanking God for your contribution, for how you gave, for how you served, for how you believed together and prayed and saw God do a great thing. So I'm asking, again, it's on this form, how you can give. And I'm not expecting everyone to give the same. I'm not looking for equal giving, but I am asking for equal sacrifice. And sacrifice for some of you might mean okay, I can give a fiver a month. Well, I'd love that. That would be awesome. That'd be sacrifice. Nothing's too low. Maybe it's a tenner a month, 20 quid a month, 50 quid a month. For some of you, sacrifice would be 100 pounds a month or 200 pounds a month or 500 pounds a month. I don't know what people give. It's not my business. I've, I've made it not my business. Our finance guy does, and what he's told me is that some people are giving up to £1,000 a month to currently to 2020 Vision, and some people are giving £5 a month to 2020 Vision. I love it. Every single part of that scale is important. It's, we, we won't know what you give, but what is important is this. This is about between you and God, and I would ask, this is over and above your regular giving. This is an over and above offering. How can we together make a difference? So take one of these forms. All of you take these with you. Pray over the response, serving and giving. And maybe, maybe even you want to fill in today. And on the back, there's a standing order form. You hand it in, and we'll take it to the bank for you, and we'll make sure it's all set up.
So hand it in this week or hand it in next week or over the next few weeks we'll be giving opportunity to fill these in and respond. God has done great things and God wants to do great things in us and through us. We're going to close now. I've taken a lot longer than I usually would but I've had a lot to explain and I want us to all understand clearly what God is saying. Let's pray. Let's wait on God. Father in heaven, thank you so much for everyone that's here today, God, and also for those who are currently meeting in North and also currently meeting in Gorgie. Thank you for every precious life. And Jesus, these weren't any surprise to you. You knew them all since actually since the beginning of time. You're the God who sees all things and knows all things. And God, I know that you know there are many, many more people to come. And I know that today is an important moment in their destiny. Even though we haven't met them yet, there'll be stories, there'll be testimonies, there'll be miraculous healings, there'll be salvation stories of people coming to know Jesus because today we chose to give and to serve. Thank you for the local church. Thank you, it's the hope of the world. Help us to respond. So each one of you just now in God's presence Take a moment to make your own response to him. Just pray quietly in your heart. Respond to him. Think about how you can serve. Think about how you can give and make your own response. Maybe while people are doing that, maybe you're here today and you've never yet trusted in Jesus. You know? And to be honest, even if you never came back to this church, even if you didn't give us a penny to this vision, even if you didn't in any way get involved in helping, actually, what I'm talking about now is more important than any of that. I want you to know Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't yet know him, why not make that decision today? Why not put your faith in him? So let me help you. If you're here and you're saying, Peter, I want to know Jesus then you pray this prayer with me just now under your breath between you and God pray dear Lord God thank you so much for your incredible love for me Jesus thank you for being willing to die on the cross for me and rise again the third day thank you are alive right now I give my life to you I put my faith in you be Lord of my life. Thanks for hearing my prayer. If you prayed that prayer today, I believe God heard your prayer. I'd love the privilege of praying for you as you embark on this new journey with God. If you're here today and you made that decision, let me pray for you. If that's you, just let me know and say, Peter, I prayed that prayer. I made the decision to follow Jesus. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. Just while everyone else is praying, just raise your hands. Nice and clearly so I can see you. I'll wait. So anyone like that today? Thank you. Right at the back there. Anyone else? Before I pray, is there anyone else?
Father, thank you for this dear, dear lady in the back here. Thank you that today she's just made a decision to follow Jesus. Thank you that she's put her faith in you who died for her and rose again. And I really believe as she's done that, that you've heard her prayer, that you've accepted her and you've cleansed her and forgiven her. And I pray for a whole new life from this day forward in her life. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.